If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We are continuing our series on the cross. And this morning, I have entitled the message, The Cross of Separation. The Cross of Separation. When we get in the passage, you are going to... uh, to hear a number of verses as I read it, and there will not be one time that the word cross is spoken of. But it is all in John chapter 3. The cross of separation is a definitive and a distinct cross that Jesus speaks speaks to a Pharisee named Nicodemus about. So as I read John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21, think about their conversation in light of the cross. John chapter 3, verse 1 states, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him. Are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal 
life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone, everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Father, we come. Lord, may you show us the cross of separation in this passage. Lord, may we see the the reason that you spoke, Jesus, to a man named Nicodemus. May we see the love that you have. The, the direct conversation. The challenge. Father, I ask that you would drive this passage deep in our hearts. God, we would apply it. Every single one of us who are yours, your sons, your daughters, we would apply it today. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. As we look at the cross today, we see a cross that makes a difference in a life. We see a cross of distinction, a cross that separates. And as it separates, as it makes a distinction or makes a difference in a life, the first truth this morning is this, that the cross brings about a new birth. The cross brings about a new birth. Do you see that conversation Nicodemus comes at night, talks to Jesus, and he begins with some chit-chat. He wants to kind of put his big toe in the water to see how cold or how hot it is before they jump in to the deep. And Jesus is having none of it. He says, uh, we know that you've come from God. Nobody, nobody could do what you've been doing, Jesus, unless they have been sent by God. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I tell you, unless a man is born again, unless he is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus starts the conversation with the heart of the issue for Nicodemus. Jesus starts the conversation with the heart of of the issue for you and for me some 2,000 years after this conversation took place, it is still the heart of the issue. 
over and over and over again throughout the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus speaks of different ways, of different pictures to make the same point that this is salvation. He speaks of grain as salvation. He speaks of sheep in the light of salvation. He speaks of a field. He speaks of of family. And here, he speaks of a new birth. And when he speaks of this new birth, he hears a weird question, does he not? I mean, who asks this question? Nicodemus does. Um, Okay, Jesus, if somebody has to be born again, how in the world can a grown man be born again? Does does he enter into his mother's womb a second time? Oh, Nicodemus, no, no, Nicodemus, you didn't go there. Jesus says, Nicodemus, you have to be born of water and you have to be born of the Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, verse 6 states, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. In this definitive answer, water and spirit, born of water is physical birth from a mother's womb. Born of the Spirit is born from above, born from God. It is the spiritual birth for someone anyone, for any of us to see the kingdom of God, there must be two births. Without two births, you can't see God. You can't see the kingdom. You can't understand the kingdom. Hence why Paul states what he states in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. We all know that verse now, right? We all know the verse. It's our memory verse for the month. It is at the bottom of the front of your bulletin, and it states these words. Paul, as he records for those at Corinth, he says this, the word of the cross, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But it is power to those who are being saved. Now, in this room right now, in the room right now, there are those that are sitting, looking at the verse on the screen, and there are two distinct groups. Those who are perishing, it's not a a future tense that they will perish. It is they are perishing even at this moment because there is no belief. And then those... Who are saved. For those who are perishing in the room right now. For those who have not accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. Who have not confessed with their mouth. Who have not believed that he took their place on the cross. The cross is folly. I mean if you were honest with yourself. You would think it's folly. That's the craziest thing ever. How in the world could something 2,000 years ago, make a difference in my life. But for those of us who are being saved, who are being saved, it is a present tense verb. It is happening over and over and over and over and over again every single day. It's the power of God. 
the cross. The cross brings about this new birth. Every human being that has been born has experienced physical birth. You and I don't remember it, but it happened. Mom's in the room. You remember it, right? We have one. No, really. As a mom, you remembered that birth. Every single one of them. Amen? Uh, Ladies, I mean, come now. Was it that easy? Don't answer. Every single one of us in the room have experienced a physical birth. But only those of us in the room that have experienced a physical birth and a spiritual birth can understand the kingdom, can see the kingdom of God. Just as there is a physical life, there is also spiritual life. And this spiritual life comes through a new birth. But not only do we see that the cross of separation brings about a new birth, we see a second truth that the cross gives way to a new nature to those who believe. Think about it this way. There are a number of kingdoms in this world. There's a mineral kingdom. It's made up of things like nitrogen, oxygen, um, phosphorus, limestone. There's a, a number of items in this mineral kingdom. And then there are, there's a plant kingdom. You know, blades of grass and all kinds of weeds and corn stalks. Then there's an animal kingdom. Pick your animal. A human kingdom. For we are different than mere animals because we have a soul. And the let's just talk for a second. Let's just talk about a uh, uh, one of those minerals, phosphorus. That phosphorus wants to be a cornstalk. I mean, it longs to be a cornstalk, but there is no way that that phosphorus can be a cornstalk. Why? Because it's in a different kingdom. But if that cornstalk will allow its roots to grow, to go down into the ground, guess what? That phosphorus can come up through the roots of that cornstalk and be a part of that cornstalk. But then that cornstalk, it looks around and says, man, I really want to be a cow. I want to be a cow. And there is no way that corn can be a cow. Why? Because it's corn. But I really want to move around. I really, I mean, the sun is just beating down on me. I really would like to get some shade in the heat of the day. I really would like to be able to go, like that cow is able to go over to the pond and just drink water whenever it wants to. I want that. It can't. Why? Because it's cornstalk. But if you take that corn and you grind it up and put it in a bucket and then put it in a feed trough, the cow will come, it will come running to that feed trough to get the corn. And that corn goes into that cow. And oh, it is able then to go to the shade. It is able then to go to the watering hole. You know, that cow looks around and says, man, I want to be that farmer. It can't be the farmer. 
Oh, I really want to be Connor the farmer. And the cow's like, I really want to be Connor the farmer. And it cannot be Connor the farmer until Connor takes old Bessie to the butcher. And when Connor takes old Bessie to the butcher, there will be some filet mignons. I meant to mispronunciate that. There will be some ribeyes, there'll be some rump roast, and they will be eaten by Connor and all of his family. Why do I tell you that? Because when you, sir, when you, ma'am, experience a second birth, there is a new nature put in you. You're no longer your own. God has implanted in you him, and he has given you a new nature. There is nothing that you can do. I, you know, Bubba almost fell off the stage. And if I try to do what I'm about to tell you about, I will fall off the stage. But none of us can put our hands underneath our feet and lift ourselves up. Can't happen. But God, every single day, reaches down from above and gives you and me, us, a new nature. And this cross, this cross of separation is shown, is seen through this conversation and the points that Jesus is making to Nicodemus about a new birth, about being changed, and a new nature being placed in you and in me, all because of a second birth. Paul stated it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. In verse 18, he says, Therefore, if any of you in this room are in Christ, if any of you in this room right now are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you're in Christ, sir, if you're in Christ, ma'am, you are new. All those things that were old, they are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He's given you a new nature. And when he gives you this new nature, there is no longer an excuse. Well, I'm like this because my mama and my daddy. No, you're like this, sir, ma'am, like your dad in heaven. Because you're new. Therefore, your nature is to be like his nature. Your nature and my nature is to be like his nature. What's his nature? Well, if you were to just... Take a few pages over and you were to look page after page. There are a score, attribute after attribute after attribute of our Father. He is love, yes. He is light, yes. He is faithful, He is true. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, it states that you and I, you and I, are to be holy, for He is holy. What does it mean to be holy? It means that you and I are set apart for a 
purpose. God has given you a new birth. He has given me a new birth. He has done that for a purpose. And that purpose is he has a mission for you and me in this new nature that he has given us for this third truth this morning. The third truth is this, that the cross ushers in life out of death. If you have your Bible open to John chapter 3, I'm going to read some verses that probably are back on a brain cell that maybe in vacation Bible school, Sunday school, youth camp, you memorized. You've heard. It is the most well-known verse in all of Scripture. You know, my first pastor, I preached through the Gospel of John, and I came to John chapter 3, verse 16, and I misquoted it. I mean, that's terrible, right? You misquote John 3, 16. It was so bad that um, the uh, church family that I was pastoring, they laughed at me. How in the world? Brian, how in the world can you misquote John 3.16? Happens. But if you look at John 3.16, if we see this verse, it is so common to us. We see it underneath athletes' eyes referenced as John 3.16. We see it in windows on the back of cars, John 3.16. It's on license plates. It is stamped everywhere. But let it sink in. For God. God. The God of the universe. The God of all creation. God so loved the world. God so loved the world, red and yellow, black and white. We are all precious in His sight. God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His only Son that whoever believes... In Him. Should not perish, but have everlasting, have eternal life. Did you get it? Sir, there is nothing that you could do. There is nothing that you have ever done or that you ever possibly could do that would cause God not to love you. He loved the world. He loved the world before sin entered the world. He he loved the world even after sin entered the world. After Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, God loved the world. 
After Cain killed Abel, God loved the world. After Noah and his three sons and their three wives and Noah's wife were in the ark, he loved the world. After David did what he did with Bathsheba and Uriah, he loved the world. After you. Let's just get to the point. After you. And after I have done everything that we have done. He loved you so much that He gave His Son. He gave His Son for you. He gave His Son so that your life would be different. He gave His Son so that you and I would not perish. But that we would have eternal life. God so loved the world. His response to sin was love. His response to rejection was love. His response to betrayal was pursuing you with himself for his glory in love. Whoever believes, whoever believes that Jesus died for them, that Jesus took your place, that Jesus took God's wrath, that you deserve that, that I deserve. Whoever believes that He took their place on the cross, that He was forsaken by the Father for them, took on their sin so that you and I might have His righteousness, might have eternal life extended to them from above, from God. All of this comes from God. It's not your work. Riverbend, you can't do enough to get to God. I can't do enough to get to God. God came to us. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. It's been extended to you. The cross allows one to see the difference between darkness and light. Do you see that there in verse 20 and 21? This room is filled with those in verse 20 and those in verse 21. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his or her works should be exposed. Is that where you are right now, ma'am? Sir, is that where you are? You are full of those works that you don't want to come to the light. Because when they do, when you do, your works will be exposed. But, Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works, your works, sir, your works, ma'am, have been carried out in God. Oh, that you and I would grasp that today. God loved you so much that he died. His death gives life so that you might be different. On the screen, we'll see two passages of Scripture and I'll close. 
Paul wrote it this way to the folks in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17 down through verse 24, I believe. It states this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. You must no longer walk as they do because you're not like them. Folks at Ephesus, folks at River Bend this morning, you must no longer walk like the Gentiles because you're not like them. They walk in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become calloused and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him. You were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You, you, as a son and a daughter of the king, you are different than this world. And it's all because of the cross. It is all because of this cross of separation that has made a difference in your life, the way that you look versus the way the world looks. It is all the cross. So don't continue to walk like they walk. A little later, Paul wrote it this way to the folks in Rome. He said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, brothers, the deepest and most sincere way that he could talk to them was through this brotherly love. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And here's what he says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. So let me close it this way. In John chapter 3, late one evening, Jesus is in a room with all of his followers and he hears a knock on the door. And as he opens the door, Nicodemus, a Pharisee, comes in to talk to him. And Nicodemus has a reason to be there. And I believe that reason was to figure out who in the world Jesus truly was. And Jesus understood that that is why he was coming. And he says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And the way that you, Nicodemus, and the way that we today are born again, is believing through the cross. Because He took your place, student. Moms and dads, He took your place. 
Because He loved you so very much that He wanted to give you life eternally. Will you accept it? The gift has been extended. It has been given because of His love. It has been given to you and to me and it is through this cross that you and I might have life. Heavenly Father, we come this morning. God, as we come, we, we declare that it is only through You. Father, it is only through The work that you did, Jesus. That we can even come into prayer to the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the God of the universe in all of creation. One who is pure and holy and there is no shifting or turning with you. The only reason that we can come it's through your blood, Jesus. Father, I pray for those in this room this morning. God, for those who do not know you, I pray that it would be a challenge to them. This cross of separation, may you show them where they stand in your sight. Opposed to you, the God who loves them. The God who has given His very best for them. God, would You show that to them? May they see that this morning. And God, for those in the room who know You, who have believed, who have bowed their knee, who have confessed with their mouth, who have accepted this gift, would You show us how much You love us? And God, would You show us the mission that You have for us? Everybody look at me before we stand and we sing. For those who know Him, God's got you on a mission. He has us on a mission. He, he didn't save you and me and then just take us to glory. We, we're here because He has us on a mission. And that mission is to share His name to those that don't know Him. That mission is to love. To look out over the orphans and the widows. That, that mission is for you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And who's your neighbor? Samaritans. Gentiles. Jews. Every single person that you come in contact with. That's the mission. Now as we stand and as we sing, let me ask you this question. How are you doing on that mission? Who'd you love this week? Who'd you speak to this week? Who did you talk to about Jesus this week? How often did you and I spend thinking, praying, meditating, talking, being a part of this mission that He has us here for. I'm 
Father, thank you for keeping us on a mission, for putting us on a mission. And this mission is all because of your cross, Jesus. What you did for me, what you did for us, may we, oh God, may we, we understand the reach that you that you reached for us the grip that you have the mission that you have thank you for a new birth for a new nature Jesus thank you for dying that we might live We call it a a song of response, an invitation. It's an opportunity for you and for me to respond back to Him. So whether that's right there in your seat or you stand up, whether you need to come forward and pray at the altar, however you respond, obey this morning. You join us as we sing.